Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, your house smells. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. My house smells too. I'm not not indicting you. I'm sure you keep a clean home, but just time means you're going to acquire smells, whether those are cooking smells that get in your paint, your carpet. Maybe they're animal smells. Maybe you're a smoker or someone else was. Just living creates smells. I didn't realize that my home had a smell to it until I got my first Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the greatest air purifier I've ever ever owned in my life. This thing, I had it plugged in for two hours. I came back in the room and my air smelled so clean. I now own three of them. I'm not making that up. This thing has absolutely changed me on top of what it's done for my allergies. Go get one. Get two. Be like me and get three. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE. That gets you 10 bucks off and free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com. Promo code JESSE. This is The Jesse Kelly Show.
Sometimes you shouldn't have faith. We will get into that today. I will explain later on. We have a political rival arrested. We have Bigfoot hunting. We have a million jobs already lost. We have Tulsi Gabbard taking over the Republican Party. Uh, Yeah, we have a lot to get to today. (laughs) But first, I give you my word. I don't care if we have to add another hour to the radio show today. I'm going to finish this little story of our campaign, the Allied campaign in Italy. And even then, I'm going to skip over so many parts. Oh, we will return. We will return to it. Remember, at Jesse Kelly DC on Twitter and Instagram for now. 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Let us go back to Italy. If you missed the beginning two parts of this, you're going to have to go get the show. (laughs) It's all podcasted on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes. Now, we landed in Italy. Our naval guns are creating real havoc for the Germans, but the Germans are dug in. They're dug in very well. And at one point, the Germans decide they're going to tactically retreat to something called the Gustav Line. What the Gustav Line is, it was the narrowest part of Italy crossing it. You know, if you were going to build a wall across it, this was the narrowest part, but it was more than the narrowest part. It was narrow and the terrain was just so absurdly in favor of the defender in this particular line, in most of Italy anyway, but in this particular line. And remember this, because I'm going to keep coming back to it, because it's so important. Italy is the most undertold story of World War II, because it wasn't D-Day, it wasn't the Normandy invasion, it wasn't Pearl Harbor, it wasn't this, it wasn't that. I mean, there's so many of these huge high points of World War II that overshadow other things, and often understandably. I mean, you think of the World War II, it's Holocaust, Pearl Harbor, Normandy, it's these things that are big. But the fighting in Italy, and you're going to see this today, the fighting in Italy was perhaps the most fighting and the most vicious fighting in the entire war. Almost undoubtedly, some of the most vicious fighting that the U.S. ever went through. It's all mountains. You have Germans, Germans who know how to defend, well-prepared. They in, These Germans invented bunkers and pillboxes. Now, I obviously don't think they invented them, but, I mean, they perfected them. I remember back in World War I, if you do any reading on World War I, or you've heard any of my, any of my World War I stuff, you remember the, the British and the French? They had trenches, too. You know, the Germans had trenches, and the British and the French had trenches. World War I was all about this trench warfare. I remember reading several times where the British or French would push the Germans off the line or the Germans would vacate a portion of the line and the French and the British would go storming in and they would storm into the the German trenches and they were just dumbfounded that 
these aren't trenches. These are these are entire cities underground. The Germans ran wall had wallpaper, running water. The Germans just do that stuff better than other people. And now you've taken World War II. You've taken the Germans who do that stuff better than other people, and you've put them in the mountains and in the rivers. And we're talking Rocky Mountains. These guys, they're very, very good. So when I say the Germans retreated to the Gustav line, it was a well-prepared line. They had they had prepared ahead of time, and they were always planning to tactically retreat back there. They weren't trying to die on the beaches. They weren't running, screaming for the Gustav line. They were just, okay, let's move back to the Gustav line now. And before I point out some of the ugly things that, frankly, we did today as Americans, ugly things when it comes to civilian deaths and destruction of historical monuments and things like that, You should know that they all were writing about it throughout the Italian campaign. How sad they were. The British talked about it. The Americans talked about it. There were several countries fighting through here. How sad it was to fight through Italian cities because of the history. Who doesn't know Roman history? I mean, everybody knows some of it. I don't want to give you the impression ever that we were dropping a bomb or artillery or or blowing up a building with some historical significance and the allies were all, ha, 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 those dirty Italians, nice, their building's gone. It was something that bothered everyone. And the allies are starting to get extremely, extremely concerned at this point. You see, you and I get to look back at things like World War II with 2020 hindsight And, you know, we won. We always won. It was always inevitable. No, it was not. And we were having a very difficult time fighting our way through Italy. Very difficult time. Now, Hitler does make a mistake at this point. If you want to call it that. He makes, he takes a risk and it doesn't pay off. I'll put it that way. You have tons of elite German troops here. But Hitler takes four of his best divisions from Italy at this point and sends them to Russia. And that very well may have saved the Allied campaign in Italy because he replaces his four top-notch crack divisions with three extremely beaten-up divisions and sends them into Italy. Now, there's still German troops, still experienced German troops. These guys are not... Not garbage by any stretch of the imagination, but it does weaken the Germans enough. Which brings us to where we're going to go today, a place called Monte Cassino. You've probably never heard of it unless you're an Italian campaign freak, and that is sad because this is vicious fighting. They call it, you remember our World War I stuff we've talked about before, Verdun. You remember Verdun in World War I, that horrible Horrible battle, maybe the worst battle of the war. They call the Battle of Monte Cassino the Verdun of World War II. It's ugly. And what it is, and you can you can look, you can look it up, and you should look it up. Look up Monte M-O-N-T-E Casino, C-A-S-S-I-N-O. It's a monastery. If that's what you want to call it, an abbey, I heard people call it, depending on what I was reading. It's a fortress. 
It's 1,400 years old. And when I say fortress, it is the most perfect natural fortress I've ever seen in my entire life. Now, why is it a fortress? Well, you and I live, I've talked about it before. I'm not going to go into it right now. But I've talked about our 2020 American version of Christianity we have here. Very much, oh, you know, let's, let's sing some songs and be nice to everybody. We just have to be, just have to be meek. Don't slap me around. Well, monasteries used to be fortresses so they could kill people who were trying to kill them. This was intentionally built as a fortress, a place where you could worship God and kill anybody who was trying to stop you from doing so. That's how it was. And if you look at it, it sits on, if you're not in a place you can image search it, just know it's huge. It sits on this, I mean, looks like a mountaintop. It's four, It's 1,700 feet high. And it's almost sheer cliffs around it that overlook the town of Casino. And now we have, now we have to fight our way through it. And it's going to be really ugly. All right, going to talk about that in a political rivalry. Arrested? Hang on. Jesse Kelly. When I first started talking to the Super Beats people, I had a big hesitation because you know, you know, I don't, I don't work with anything I wouldn't use. I hate beets. When I was a child, my mother used to pickle them. She used to pickle them in jars. And whenever she would do that, I would have to leave the house that day because just the smell of them was more than I can take. One time, she laid them out for me for dinner time and said I couldn't leave until bedtime or I ate them. I just sat in my chair until bedtime all night. I'm not making that story up. Super beets don't taste like beets. They taste delicious. They're two little chewables that you eat once a day. You eat two super beets chewables once a day. That helps you take care of that heart, and that's the only heart you're ever going to have. Do it. It's so easy. Go to superbeets.com slash jesse. That's superbeets.com slash jesse. That gets you two free 30-day supplies. boy we have bigfoot hunting (laughs) not even joking we have the irs coming after trump groups we this is uh man they are taking this capital raid and they are milking it for all it's worth and they are doing some really 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 ugly stuff with it Something to keep our eyes on because you do not have to look far to see what happens if you don't. Now, back to our story here. Mata Casino. Like I said, the perfect natural fortress. It is right on that Gustav line I told you about. And a funny thing was happening. So we have to step away from Mata Casino for a second and go to a different battle 
that's linked with this one, and it's its own separate story. But, you know, we have Italy, and there's this line across it. Don't worry about where the line is. We're south of Rome at this point, about 80 miles south of Rome. But there's a line across Italy, the Gustav line. And like I said, the fighting had been mountains and rivers, and it had been brutal, brutal fighting. Germans dug in, period. But why were we doing that? There were a lot of people, Churchill included, who asked, why are we fighting over every single square inch of Italy from south to north when we can land anywhere? We have naval superiority. We can just land our troops anywhere. And this is something this is something we have to pause on for a moment. Because history is a funny thing, and you get such twisted manipulated history out there. And here is the truth. World War II was so much more dysfunctional leadership-wise than you can possibly imagine. Than you can possibly imagine. They were constantly, the generals, the world leaders, were constantly yelling at each other hated each other, petty rivalries, political rivalries, generals with gigantic egos. This was a constant struggle. This British general hated this American general, but he also hated this other British general. And he really, really, he had an old history with the French. So he's not going to work with the French over here. But this world, and we don't think about that. When you think about World War II, what do you picture? A Churchill and FDR sitting there working it all out like gentlemen. And then, of course, they handed all the reins over to MacArthur, who just, he just told everybody where to go, and everyone said, oh, okay, General, I'll go do that right away, and it's for the greater good, after all. No, 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 no. It was all still government, meaning it was all still very inefficient, Egos going wild, as you can imagine. World leaders and generals, there's one or two egos there in the room screwing everything up for everybody. It was a dysfunctional mess. And sometimes, oftentimes, when they couldn't agree on one strategy, let's do this, they would try to split the baby, for lack of a better way to put it, And they would try to halfway do both. You remember I said Churchill wanted to land anywhere? Why are we fighting through all of it? We didn't. We decided to do both. North of the Gustav line, so past it, towards Rome, past it, there was a place called Anzio. And the plan was this. Let's land some troops on Anzio. When we land the troops on Anzio, they should be okay because the Germans are so preoccupied with us fighting down here on the Gustav line that the troops who land in Anzio, they they should be able to tear right through all these Germans and just go right to Rome. I mean, that was the plan. And frankly, that might have worked, except remember those petty rivalries we just talked about like 30 seconds ago? General Clark, he was really the man running the American troops in Italy. 
uh, almost universally despised by all of his men and the history books. Not not a well thought of general by any stretch of the imagination. I wasn't there. You know how twisted history can get. Maybe he was a maybe he was a lion. Uh, he is not well thought of by his men. He's just not. But General Clark sends American troops, obviously, with the British troops to land in Anzio. Only he works with an opposite purpose of the one Churchill wanted. Churchill wanted them to land in Anzio and blow and go, charge right through, head towards Rome, keep the Germans on their heels, keep them discombobulated. Clark is very, very, very worried about taking too many losses. He doesn't like the plan to land in Anzio anyway. So he instructs his general, instructs his general, um, be very careful. Be very, very, very careful. Don't move. Don't risk anything. Don't. So he's there with the opposite purpose of the entire mission, and it just... I will do Anzio another time. I'm not going to do it this week. Probably won't even do it this month. But just know this. The American troops land there. The British troops land there. And they promptly take their time just loading gear onto the beaches and such. But because they took their time, it allowed the Germans to gather up and regroup up there. And Anzio was absolutely vicious. Turned into a nightmare. Turned into an absolute nightmare. Which brings us back to Casino. Why did I bring up Anzio? I'll get to that in a moment. Casino, first they start focusing on what? The gigantic monastery on top of the mountain, the big fortress. Remember, there's a town, Casino, and then there's the monastery up top. They're focusing on the monastery, as you would if you were sitting there. And they're thinking the Germans must be dug into that place. So what do we do? I, I, I should tell you, there are people who live in Casino to this day, Italians who live there, who still hate Americans. What did we do? Well, we bombed it to dust. We bombed the monastery, the 1,400-year-old monastery, into the ground. And that turned out to be really, really stupid for a couple different reasons. One. The Germans were not dug into the monastery portion of it yet. But the second we bombed it into the ground, remember remember, I just got done talking about the rivalries? Well, the Indian troops, there were Indians obviously fighting on behalf of the Brits, and they were excellent troops. The Indian troops were supposed to move in right after we were done bombing because that's what you do. You bomb and then move, bomb and then move except the coordination was a mess. Everyone hated each other. The Indian troops took too long. By the time we got to where the bombed-out monastery was, the Germans were now dug into a perfect defensive position, and it is a disaster. You have cracked German troops on a mountain fortress with perfect fortifications around them. It is a sniper war. It is a booby trap war. It is a mine. You remember that story about, well, I mean, how we just talked about, we looked at everything as a big victory in World War II. We're losing right now. In Italy, we are losing. We're losing to the Germans. And the fighting conditions are terrible because the Germans were not only great at digging in, 
They were great at using every part of their environment to their advantage. They actually dammed up a river and marshed the area. They turned the town into a marsh. And now we have to deal with the town. And you thought the monastery was bad. The town is, gosh, maybe even worse. We'll talk about that. Hang on. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Presentation by the parties will commence the week of February the 8th. The January 6th insurrection at the Capitol, incited by Donald J. Trump, was a day none of us will ever forget. We all want to put this awful chapter in our nation's history behind us. But healing and unity will only come if there is truth and accountability. And that is what this trial will provide. We can only we can only unite after the trial. <laughs> that doesn't wait, I don't I don't think they know what unity is. That doesn't sound right. All right, hang on. I'm gonna get to the politician arrested, so on and so forth. Let me finish up here with the Battle of Monte Casino. We now have to try to take the town. And again, we bombed it. And when I say we bombed it, this is what I mean. If you visit the town today, casino, you won't find a single building there that predates this battle. Why? Because we blew them all up with artillery mainly with our air power. Air power is famously, famously inaccurate. It's very difficult to, especially in this era, very difficult to be accurate. We bombed it to dust. And we kept making life more miserable for ourselves, just like we did on the mountaintop. We kept like making life more miserable because bombing it, it's not working. One, the Germans, again, we find out, the Germans invent this stuff, had these huge underground bunkers where they would go when the bombing began. So you're blowing up buildings. You're not blowing up the Germans. That's one. Obviously, we blew some up. Two, 
You're angering the civilian population because you're not only ruining your bu- their buildings, you're killing them. We killed a lot of civilians in there. Three, you've just taken, you know what? Let me describe it to you this way, a road. You're, ta- you're taking a city. You have troops, you have tanks. You have a road. Picture any road in your town. Buildings on either side. Did I help my advance through your town or hurt my advance through your town? If you're looking down that road and it goes from being a road to being mountains of concrete and steel. Now the tanks can't get through. Now there are more booby traps everywhere. More mines everywhere. And the death here, in a two-day span, we lost 1,700 men in just two days. There's so much death here that they were just starting to figure out what PTSD was, you know, night sweats and all these things. They're starting to figure this out, really, in World War II. The doctors who were studying PTSD back in mental hospitals were going to the front line to see the troops here, and they found whole units with PTSD, every guy up there, every single person. You just exist in this living hell, and you have it. And it was a nightmare at night during the day, and the Germans are dying, and we're dying, and, 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 and snipers cause I, it's a sniper paradise when you have that kind of rubble. They can hide everywhere. And like I already said, booby traps and mines, just staggering losses. And the Germans are becoming more and more emboldened. You see, we look at everything, understandably so, from an American perspective. Well, the Germans, remember, every German in World War II wasn't some card-carrying Nazi. They all loved their country. Their families back home loved their son off to war. You know that you know what I'm talking about? That, that national, national pride, patriotism thing. The Germans in Casino are becoming legends back in Germany, and they're they're finding out about it. Like they're they're becoming propaganda pieces that they're spreading around to the other German units. If you fight like these guys, we can still win the war. And it's just terrible. And we've tried not one, not two, but three all-out assaults, three different battles, and they've all failed. We're losing down here. Finally, we decide to give it a fourth try, and we do a couple different things here. One, we do a more coordinated, more accurate artillery barrage trying to blow them out. Two, and there were a bunch of people. There were Indian Gurkhas and British troops and American troops, and there were troops in North Africa. There were even French troops here. We brought in somebody else, and we're going to pause on this for a moment. We brought in some Poles. And I know what you're thinking. Uh, what Poles? Poland's gone at this point. And you're right. You remember Hitler and Stalin at the beginning of the war agreed to split up Poland and they just spit roasted it. And you don't, I don't have to describe for you what happened on the German side of Poland. You know that. But remember, Stalin was just as bad a guy as Hitler. Stalin immediately began committing atrocities against those people. I did a show one time on the biggest murderer of all time. Most people killed by uh, like a single hand. And I forget his name. I think he was known as the Butcher. And he was the one executing all these Polish guys. But either way, long story short, 
When Stalin took over, he took the officers, he took the military guys in the British Army, and he promptly executed them all. And then he buried them in mass graves and blamed it on the Nazis. But there were still Polish troops out there. Still Polish troops out there. And still a lot of Poles out there who loved their country and wanted their country back and hated the Germans. And this this is something else we're going to talk about for a second. Americans, even at the beginning of the war, did not have a natural hatred for Germans. There was a ton of German immigration into America. There were there was German blood all over the, the American troops. Germany was not poorly thought of, even though we'd fought a war against them. They just they weren't. They were highly trained. We bought German stuff that. We didn't naturally hate the Germans. We naturally hated the Japanese because of the barbaric way they conducted themselves in World War II. They, they said you never had to convince an American to kill a Japanese soldier. That it was, you didn't have to talk him into it. He wanted to kill them all. We didn't hate the Germans like that yet. We hadn't discovered concentration camps yet. We, hadn't, we didn't know these things yet. The Poles had no such problem. The Poles came down and promptly told everybody, these guys are evil. You cannot imagine the things these guys are doing. We sent, we trained in and sent a bunch of Polish troops there because we talked Stalin into letting them out of the gulags. Stalin had executed a bunch of them and sent a bunch to the gulags. But so we negotiated their release, got a bunch of Polish troops there, and finally on the fourth and final battle, we finally won. We finally saw victory in Monte Cassino. And here's the sad part of it, though. Not every story has a happy ending. The sad part of it was most people think the entire thing was completely unnecessary. And the entire front and the, thing, the things these men did to this day, mostly forgotten. And we destroyed so much history. And I think about this sometimes. When I think about our politics now and how, how truly, truly ugly the future of it is going to be. Way uglier than anything you've ever seen before in, in America. I mean, it's just it, the politics is about to get really, really vicious. Really ugly. I'm looking at a headline here from CNBC. Democrats to target IRS in probe of tax-exempt pro-Trump groups that organized the rally before the Capitol riot. And, I mean, the, the things they're doing right now, it has me thinking about something, and I can't get it off my mind. Hang on, I'll explain to the Jesse Kelly show. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. 
Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Surprised they're pushing forward with this uh, extra surveillance on would-be domestic terror. Uh, it's so dangerous. You know, as you guys have been talking about, this is an issue that all Democrats, Republicans, independents, libertarians should be extremely concerned about, uh, especially because we don't have to guess about where this goes or how this ends. When you have people like former CIA director John Brennan openly talking about how he's spoken with uh, or heard from appointees and nominees in the Biden administration who are already starting to look across our country uh, for these types of movements similar to the insurgencies they've seen overseas that, in his words, he says, make up this unholy alliance of religious extremists, uh, racists, bigots. Uh, he lists a few others and adds at the end even libertarians. So when you look at their process and they start looking at, okay, how do, what characteristics right. are we looking for as we're building this profile of a potential extremist, uh, what are we talking about? A religious extremist, are we talking about uh, Christians, evangelical Christians? What is, an, what is a religious extremist? Is it somebody who's pro-life? I mean, what, where, do you, where do you take this? Uh, you start looking at, okay, well, obviously you have to be a white person, obviously likely male, libertarians, well, if anybody who loves freedom, liberty, maybe has an American flag outside their house, or uh, people who, you know, attended a Trump rally. Uh, once you start walking this down the path, you see where it leads to a very dangerous undermining of our civil liberties, mm -hmm. our freedoms in our Constitution, and a targeting of almost half of the country. Mm -mm -mm. That is... Wait a minute. Democrat? Tulsi Gabbard? We need to get Hans Fieni back on the show. You remember, we've had him on a couple times. He's a writer for The Federalist. He's the one who predicted like six months ago that Tulsi Gabbard was going to be the Republican nominee for president. And I got I had him on the show and made fun of him. <laughs> Dang it. You can find me on social media at Jesse Kelly DC on Twitter, Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm starting a locals account. Don't worry, I'll give you keep you updated on that. The whole show's podcasted on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes. You can call 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Don't forget, it's Medal of Honor Monday. And we have a really cool one and maybe an applicable one today. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Not gonna give it away. You know what that's called right there, Chris? That's called foreshadowing. What? 
Is that not? It's pretty close to foreshadowing. Shut up, Chris. Anyway. Democrats to target IRS in probe of tax-exempt pro-Trump groups. You heard what Tulsi Gabbard was talking about. I am bummed out a little bit today. I'm not going to drag you down. I, t- I told you I won't ever try to do that. The things we're going to see from the left now as they get more and more aggressive to crush and purge the right, it's going to be ugly. And what is that going to prompt? Well, it's going to prompt ugly from our side. And, and look, I, I'm guilty of wanting it now, of, of feeling like it's necessary. We had that, uh, uh, what is that congresswoman's name? Marjorie Green Taylor or Marjorie Taylor Green, some freshman congresswoman I don't know, or I don't know anything about her, but talked about introducing articles of impeachment already for Joe Biden. And people are outraged and screaming about it. No, that's so stupid. It, I defend it 100%, and here's why. The Democrats have chosen to use something as ugly and serious as impeachment as a political weapon for any president they don't like. They just impeached Trump twice. We must, in turn, do the same thing in order to water down impeachment so much that they won't use it as a weapon the next time. Does that make sense? If we only allow them to use it as a weapon and we never use it as a weapon, then they'll keep doing it. But if we visit it back on them, one, they may learn a lesson, but two, the next time the word impeachment comes up, everyone just rolls their eyes because they know it's just a gigantic partisan political game. So I think we should impeach him. Is it stupid? Of course it's stupid. Is it going to work? No. We should do it, though, to water down the process to disarm the enemy. But remember I said I'm bummed? Remember we were talking about the bombing of Monte Cassino and things like that? I don't like how our country looks at the end of all that. I don't know another way. That's why I've always talked about national divorce, because I don't want this. I don't want this kind of ugliness. But if Democrats are going to use the IRS now to target the right, I know it's wrong and it's terrible and it's Stasi-level stuff. When we take over, we should use the IRS to target the left. And I hate that. I don't want anybody targeted. Not the right, not the left, nobody, no one. I want to stay living in the land of the free. But what we cannot do is take our desire for peace and to be left alone and quiet. We cannot take that desire and use it to allow them to be the only ones hitting. We must hit too or we will lose. I promise you we cannot quiet our way to victory. Hang on, I'm not done. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man. 
You, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. 877-377-4373. Remember, you can call live. You can leave a voicemail. We'll play them on the air. You can email me, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. We read them all, every one of them. I won't respond. I get way too many. I read them all, and I love them. The loved ones, the hate ones, the Ask Dr. Jesse questions, I love them all. They're great. And it's Medal of Honor Monday. You know what? I think we're going to do Medal of Honor Monday next, Chris. We need a little pick-me-up because I am... I am It's bothering me where we're going to have to take this fight. I don't want that. I don't want to bomb the town to rubble. (laughs) Figuratively speaking, I don't want to bomb Casino to rubble and then survey the the damage at the end and say, nice, we won. Well, because what are we left with? You know, what are we left with? But I don't know another way right now. I don't know another way. And that sucks. But it's time for Medal of Honor Monday. Hang on. Jesse Kelly Show. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. It bums me out. I'm not, it's not that I'm worried about the fight. That's just what, that's the time, that's the time in history we've been given. That's all. I'm not, it's not that. It's that, what, what's this country that I love going to look like by the time we're done fighting it? Now, we must, we must, even, even when I've been talking about when I say how important it is for us to balkanize. I saw an example of this over the weekend. I forget who put it up, but there was a big gun store in somebody's town. And they flat out put up a social media post that said, if you voted for Joe Biden, you are not welcome to purchase any of our guns or ammunition. You are not welcome in here. And that is 100% necessary now. 
You must you must move if you can to a red area. Make it redder. Run for school board, run for town council, run for mayor. You must solidify and fortify your area. Hire people who agree with you and think like you. Live, work, and worship around people who think like you because they will be your security as the leftist hordes in the federal government get more and more power and use it. So that's necessary. But also, I hate it. I hate that too. I do. I despise it. I don't like thinking in those terms. I don't like thinking like that. And I'm going to talk about this political rival arrested here in a few minutes, but I like just living where I want to live and doing what I want to do and not having to be, and maybe this is childish on my part. Maybe that's what this is. Maybe we all just have some kind of duty. We just got to suck it up. And I'm not saying not to, but I don't like having to be purposeful about everything. You understand? Does that make sense? purposeful about everything. I have to be purposeful now about watching television with my kids. My sister texted me yesterday because Tom Brady was playing against Aaron Rodgers for the right to go to the Super Bowl. That's legendary. And the weekend before was Tom Brady versus Drew Brees for the, you know, win another playoff game. That's legendary. That's historic stuff. And you know I'm a football freak. Freak. I used to, if I had the day off on Sunday, I would sit down. This is not an exaggeration. I'd get all my work done, and I'd sit down for eight, nine hours on Sunday. 12-pack of beer, some pizza ordered, and just football out. Red zone channeled, everything you can imagine. I've been to a couple Super Bowls, several games. Football freak. I didn't watch yesterday. My sister even texted me. She said, okay, you haven't watched all season. It's Brady versus Rodgers, though. Are you going to watch this one? Nope. I'm not doing it. And you know what? It sucked. It absolutely sucked. I wanted to watch. I wanted to turn it on for my kids and talk about the game. But I remember kneeling for the flag. America sucks. America's racist. Uh, uh, all that whining anti-American crap. I'm not going to forget. I'm not going to let it go. And I'm not going to fund the people who hate me. And I think that's necessary. I don't feel like I'm wrong about it. But it sucks. Even having to be purposeful with your entertainment choices sucks. I don't like it. I don't like it. But more than anything, it's not it's not about a football game on Sunday. More than anything, I don't like the fact that it only gets worse from here, and it has to. Today it was, yesterday it was football. What is it tomorrow? What is it the next day? Do we really get to a place where it's so bad my son isn't allowed to be friends with somebody who's a Democrat? Gosh, I hope not. I would never want to be that. But, I mean, you could foresee it, right? What if the political climate gets that ugly? 
Do we, do we want that? No. I sure don't. And on this Tulsi Gabbard thing, we played this Tulsi Gabbard clip for you a little bit earlier. And don't worry, I'm going to get to Medal of Honor Monday, and I'm going to get to Bigfoot, and I'm going to, I'm going to get to this political rival arrested and Biden killing a million jobs. I'm getting to all this. But this Tulsi Gabbard thing, she is proving one of my theories 100% correct. And this is my theory, and this is a big part of why we got Donald Trump, and this is why Tulsi Gabbard absolutely could take over. I could foresee it. I don't think she will, but I could see it. I wouldn't be shocked. People think the base on the right is this ultra-right conservative. You know, they, they think the base on the right has this laundry list of issues and you must hit all of them or you're never going to lead. Oh, you have to be uh, low taxes, low spending. You have to be pro-life. You have to be a border hawk. You have to, you know, all the, all the basics, you know, pro-Second Amendment. You have to be all the basics. Make sure you check these issue boxes or you're not far right enough for the right-wing base, for the GOP base. And completely false. The GOP base is now, it is extremely diverse in what they believe when it comes to spending, when it comes to national security. I mean, when it comes to so many things, extremely diverse. However, there is one issue and one issue alone that binds the GOP base together. Stop the leftists from destroying the culture. That's why you got Donald Trump. Donald Trump. It wasn't only about immigration. That helped and stuff like that. Donald Trump appeared to be the one who was willing to fight the leftist machine. Boom. Not only did he get elected... He was wildly popular with the GOP for four years, no matter how much they try to rewrite that now, over 92% approval rate. And he's still in poll after poll after poll after poll after losing a presidential election. He's still by a mile ahead of everybody else to get elected in 2024, to get nominated in 2024. Why? But Donald Trump isn't some arch conservative. It's a lifetime Democrat. He spent more money than Barack Obama did. He sucked on guns, if we're being honest about it. But Donald Trump was the one who told the base, I will fight the left for you. I will go to war with the left on your behalf. You can laugh it off all you want. But when Donald Trump stands up and says things like, yes, you can say Merry Christmas. That matters to people. People miss that. People want that America back. If Tulsi Gabbard becomes the voice of that next, then Tulsi Gabbard will lead the GOP. Or Heavy D, Ron DeSantis in Florida. What, Chris? That's a sweet nickname. No, I did not know. I did not give Ron DeSantis the nickname Heavy D. And don't get me wrong. As somebody who isn't burdened by morals, I am more than happy to plagiarize and steal other people's ideas for my own benefit. I'm more than happy to do that. However, I did not come up with the nickname Heavy D. Everyone thinks I came up with this. Somebody on uh, social media somewhere replied to something I had said about DeSantis and called him Heavy D. Now, this was some guy who didn't have any kind of a following or anything like that. So off of that, 
I've started calling him Heavy D because I thought that was his nickname. It turns out I'm like the first bigger voice, national voice to say it, and everyone thinks I named him that now. <laughs> I did not, though. I did not. Only I did. What, Chris? What? <laughs> All right. We have to talk about Bigfoot, political rival arrested, and more me. Hang on. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Super Beats tastes good. And I know I'm supposed to tell you right now, I'm supposed to tell you that it's food derived and how great it is for your heart, how great it is for your blood pressure and all those things. And yes, all that stuff is very true. I'm I'm even supposed to tell you how great the people are and how patriotic the people are who run Super Beats, and they are. But honestly... None of that would matter for me if it tasted bad. It's hard to get into good habits when they're miserable. If they tasted like beets, I wouldn't eat them. They don't. My flavor right now I'm on is pomegranate berry. I'm not sure which one's better, that one or super grapes, but I know this. They're both delicious, and I'll tell you something else. You get both of them, a free 30-day supply of both of them. Get superbeats.com slash Jesse. Jesse Kelly. Back soon. As you well know, I love to give a shout out to people I enjoy watching on television. In fact, on occasion, I like to play their clips on this show. It's not all about me. So, I saw this and I thought, man, this guy is sharp. Okay, so let's just acknowledge, not only was Kamala a bad senator... I mean, her beginning was rocky, to put it mildly. Then she was a bad senator. She was a bad presidential candidate. So bad, her poll numbers free-falled. And yet she somehow gets to be VP. This woman is going to be president of the United States. That's why it fascinates me so much. I still can't... It doesn't seem real. I can't wrap my mind around it. That woman is going to be president of the United States. So I thought it would be appropriate tonight to just... Just go over some things again about Kamala Harris. And there's nothing, there's nothing real about her. I mean, I brought up a second ago how she, you know, has these far left policies. I don't even know that she has those. There's nothing authentic about her. I don't know who she is. And that probably creeps me out more than anything else. You remember the whole land of the Fwee story? You remember how that got started? I know you love the t-shirts, the Kamala Harris land of the Fwee shirts. Don't worry, I'm going to give you a link for that a little later on in the show. I'm glad you love them. Keep buying them. Thank you. But you remember how that began, right? This was her on Jimmy Fallon. This is how that began. Well, I was in a stroller. (laughs) 
and I was in a stroller and um, so I was out there and in fact my wow. mother used to have a very funny story but I was fussing and, and and she said Kamala what do you want and I said and this is how she would say it, it, it and she said Kamala what do you want and I said freedom no. <laughs> look at Jimmy too <laughs> that's so funny only None of that was real. She ripped off Martin Luther King Jr. of all people. By the way, kids, for future reference, don't plagiarize anybody. Just come up with your own stuff. It's, it's a lot better. That's one. But two, if you're going to plagiarize somebody, try to make sure it's somebody not quite as famous as Martin Luther King. Here was his story. Quote, I will never forget a moment in Birmingham when a white policeman accosted a little Negro girl, seven or eight years old, who was walking in a demonstration with her mother. What do you want? The policeman asked her gruffly, and the little girl looked him straight in the eye and said, feed him. <laughs> Kamala, Kamala just rips that off. And I don't want to laugh it all off. Uh, you're going to find me laughing at inappropriate times a lot over the next four years because that's how I deal with things that absolutely suck. And it's, it's going to suck for a while. But something, something that's really not funny. You remember, I mean, I haven't forgotten, you remember what Antifa and Black Lives Matter did this summer, right? I mean, for a lot of us, for most of us, it was stuff we saw on the news. I mean, you tune into my show every night in, in horror, businesses burning, people dying, it was just, just terrible stuff, absolutely terrible stuff. And you, you and I watched all this. This woman, this woman, well, here's what she did. Take it from her. Quote, this is in the middle of them burning and looting and everything. Quote, if you're able to, chip in now to the MN Freedom Fund, that was Minnesota, to the Minnesota Freedom Fund to help post bail for those protesting on the ground in Minnesota. That's right. The woman who's going to be president of the United States of America was promoting a bail fund for people burning down Minneapolis. It seems like we're in the twilight zone, right? I, Oh, this is about the Capitol rise from same woman. Quote, we have witnessed two systems of justice, one that let extremists storm the U.S. Capitol yesterday and another that released tear gas on peaceful protesters last summer. It's simply unacceptable. That's weird. I mean, I thought, I thought a riot was the voice of the unheard and all that nonsense they trot out every time. I guess... I guess you're allowed to riot when you're tearing through small businesses and shooting great men like David Dorn in the head when you're stepping into the Capitol building. Well, that, then it becomes sacred, right? I'll tell you something. I just got word. Well, I'll, I'll read the headline exactly here. And it is... The anger that's going to come from things like this. This is a headline. This is from NBC, NBC Los Angeles. Governor Gavin Newsom is expected to announce Monday that the stay-at-home order will be lifted in all regions of the state, according to a letter from the California Restaurant Association to its members. If you, if you intentionally ruined your economy, and I've said this before and I'm going to keep saying it, if you intentionally destroyed lives so your party could win a presidential election 
you're an evil person. And I say that as somebody who doesn't judge others because I know I'm a bad human being. I know I am. You have some kind of sick sociopathic thing inside of you. You're missing parts of yourself that should be there. If you're a mayor, governor, teachers union, senator, whatever the case may be, and you sat back and you looked at the coronavirus lockdowns and you said to yourself, man, I bet you, I bet if we keep these lockdowns, Trump's great economy will go into the toilet and then we can win the presidential election. If you had that thought, and it's so clear that these scumbags had that thought, you're an evil human being. Those are people's lives. And if it sounds like I'm upset about it, remember when these lockdowns were going on and I was against them, screaming against them from the beginning, and I was putting out the call, I wanted your emails, I wanted your stories, tell me about your job that you've lost, tell me about your small business. I wanted to know. Honestly, I've I've rarely had a hard time reading emails. I mean, even the death threats and stuff like that. The Jewish producer Chris will tell you, we just laugh. We enjoy them all. It's fine. Those were difficult to get through. I would have to take breaks. I would have to just set them aside and take breaks. The heartbreak out there. Jesse, I'm losing it all. Jesse, I lost this. Jesse, I lost that. Jesse, family business for this many years. Jesse, I don't know how I'm going to pay my rent. Jesse. It was gut-wrenching to read. And to know that those people went through that because politicians wanted to win a presidential election, that is evil, man. Don't you dare tell me that that idiotic raid on the Capitol is the worst thing that's happened to this country in the last year. It's not in the top 100. I'm shocked but I shouldn't be at the depravity of our freaking elected officials. These people are bad. These are bad human beings. And we, we've got to balkanize. This is what I mean. You have got to flee that person's state. As much as I hate inviting Californians to Texas where I am or Florida or anywhere else, If you're not going to vote like that anymore, get out. Get out. You shouldn't live under that. You shouldn't live around people who support that. Go to some place where people agree with you and your ideas. There is something dark going on in this country. I'm serious there is. I am not hopeful right now. I am not hopeful about where this ends. And I don't know I don't know how we fix it. I don't know how we fix the left to get them to leave us alone, but we had better figure it out quickly, really quickly. All right. We have we talked about PTSD earlier. We have a guest coming on, knows a little something about it. We're going to talk to him about it. Hang on.
No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Joining me now, as he does every single Monday, host of your welcome, Michael Malice. And I need to talk to him this morning because I'm down this morning, Michael. I feel like we have to fight extra vicious now politically. And I don't like what the country's going to look like by the time we're done doing it. Why, why do you say that? I say it in this way. Like there, that impeachment, that uh, Marjorie Green Taylor, whatever her name is, is going to impeach Joe Biden. And I think we should impeach him 35 times over the next four years to water it down so Democrats can't use it. But I don't like that. I don't like that. What, what I don't like what a joke it's all become. That's why I say it. Well, wouldn't it make more sense to impeach Bill Clinton? <laughs> I'm not kidding. Uh, when Bill Clinton was on his way out, this was a discussion, and Arlen Specter, uh, late senator of Pennsylvania, had said you can't impeach him because then you could take away his pension. Uh, many members of the Democratic Party had said that they now believe Clinton's accusers, including Juanita Broderick and Kathleen Willey and many others. So that would make um, much more sense. You don't like what a joke it's become. Uh, the fact that it is become a joke is of enormous use because that encourages the average person to stop taking these buffoons of both parties in Washington seriously and realize that they're members of the enemy class. Describe the enemy class. Who's the enemy class? Um, anyone who has taken it upon themselves to dictate how the average person should live their lives and who genuinely feels that they're in a position to issue these decrees, whether it's that mediocre person who has a degree and is a college professor now uh, to the jerk on TV who has a mic and is on, you know, some horrible network, news network, air quotes about news, uh, to everyone in Washington. Michael, how do we win against the left? Do we win? Oh, oh, it's, it's, it's already happening. Uh, we win when they're not in a position to have a monopoly on the conversation, when America is armed, when the troops are home, um, when whatever plan put forward by the latest apparatchik from the New York Times is not met with an argument but with laughter. And, I, and so it, a big part of this is going to be creating parallel paths uh, like parallels to Twitter, parallels to Visa MasterCard, which are more than happy to 
ban people for political views that they don't like. Once that start, once that happens, and there's a lack of ability to enforce the edicts, then I think you have a win condition. Do they start eating each other soon? Because communists always do that. They, they always do that. How soon do they start tearing each other to shreds? Because that'll be fun to watch. Well, Mitch McConnell put President Trump on the bus, so this is hardly exclusive to the left. Um, I think it's already started. The union has turned on Joe Biden. Uh, the first day he canceled the Keystone thing, and all the Pennsylvania union workers were like, you know, what the heck? These are jobs for us. So I, that happens very, very quickly. Um, and especially people forget, I mean, that the, he's got razor-thin majorities in the Senate's virtually a tie. The House, they've got a three-seat majority. These are not working coalitions, which is why he had to have those executive orders. And things are going to get very, very chaotic very, very quickly. Okay. Does Joe Biden, does he pull this together? Because if people forget, like, a president isn't always surrounded by strong people. You do need a strong leader in the position, and they're already sniping at him and eating at him. Does he crack down? Because Obama cracked down on that, and Obama didn't put up with it. Uh, I, I think Joe Biden is very much Oh, Biden, Barack Obama was a phenomenon. You know, he's created as a media phenomenon. He was this kind of second coming figure. He had enormous appeal among the population. The media was in love with him. Joe Biden came in fifth in Iowa and in New Hampshire. No one in his party wanted him. They just wanted to get rid of Trump. So he does not have this kind of governing gravitas. And he is there exclusively thanks to the Democratic Party machine. He did not win that nomination, you know, by virtue of his own strength or experience. They just basically said, we need to stop Bernie. So he's not going to be in a position to crack down, and things are going to get very weird very quickly. He's already started yelling at the media. You know, come on, man, that <laughs> happened on day one. Angry old man Biden is my favorite Biden. During the campaign, someone, during the primary uh, an activist got up and asked him about open borders. He literally turned his back on the guy and said, vote for Trump. So we're going to be seeing a lot more bitterness, and it's going to be absolutely hilarious. I saw this story this morning, and I immediately thought of you. I knew I had to bring it up. A kid turned in his father. It was a New York Times headline. Oh, yeah. Turned in his own father for being at the Capitol and then went online and bragged about it. And immediately I thought of Michael Malice explaining how family members did this routinely in communist countries. We talked about it before. Well, my understanding is that dad was actually planning something violent. So it's not as nefarious as it sounds at first. But yes, uh, if you go on Twitter, as Jesse, you and I spend way too much time on, you will see routinely school teachers boasting that it is their job to program children away from their parents' values. And you and I talk about this all the time. Mm -hmm. The number one thing that needs to happen to save this country is to get kids out of government schools because their only role is to break these children and make them subservient and obedient. Do you homeschool? Not, 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 not you. I know you don't have them, but would you tell everybody yank your kids out of schools and homeschool? Would you tell people to run for school board? Would you tell people to move to a deserted island? What are you telling parents who don't want their kids to turn out this way? That is the number one thing. Get your get your kids out of 
government school uh, without exception, and be as involved as possible. It's your child's life. You've been trained for decades, hand over your kids to a government that despises your values, and you might not have the capacity to take them to private school, and that's fine. If you don't have that capacity, you still have to watch them like a hawk because they're being trained to despise you. They're now using the IRS, or the word is the Democrat lawmakers, well, now using, they've used it before. They're yeah. going to use the IRS to go after the people who were at the rally, any, any nonprofit involved with organizing the rally. Does the left overplay their hand on this way too much? Because this is, I mean, it's already getting ugly. Well, no, I, this is, they're going to go as far as they can at all times. You know, what happened with New York? They drove the NRA into bankruptcy, and the NRA went to Texas. That had nothing to do with the rally. I mean, if they had their druthers, being able to sell guns would be illegal, even though it's protected by the Second Amendment. Uh, I know someone who makes gun handles, and he can't sell nothing. He was not guns, just gun handles. And he can't sell them using Visa MasterCard online because Visa MasterCard won't touch it. So this is the culture that we're up against, and people need to realize you have to create alternative mechanisms for payment uh, in order to deal with the, uh, a, a culture that wants to make gun ownership stigmatized. Do we balkanize more than ever now? Move to red states, only hire red area people, only have red friends? I think what's you're going to start what's going to start happening I'm not kidding is that smart entrepreneurs are going to view being a graduate of an Ivy League school as something to be stigmatized because they are the ones who are going to bring their cancer into your organization and they're going to be far more dangerous than they're worth. Boy, now that'll then then we know we've made it. Michael Malice, appreciate yes, you, sir. man. Always a pleasure, Jesse. Take care. You know, the market does find a way. And what I mean by that is the corporate world, I, I talk to these business guys all the time. They're already talking about it. And when I have some of these conversations, they're not political at all. They're already telling me things like, I don't get any good kids from college. They're all twisted, broken. Even the ones who aren't political activists and try to bring it to the office don't have basic life skills. You can't even correct them without them going to HR to complain. I have multiple business guys telling me now, I'd rather take an 18-year-old right out of high school and just train him how to do the job. Infinitely better for me. Well, that'll be a benefit. All right, we are going to do Medal of Honor Monday, and we're doing it next, I promise. something there's a podcast get it on demand wherever podcasts are found the jesse kelly show you're never completely ready to adopt a teen for late nights writing english papers for your teen's music taste for dinners where they talk more on their phone than with you for the first time they call you mom you're never completely ready to adopt a teen and you can't imagine the reward. To learn more about adopting a teen, visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Part-time job, full-time hustle, all-time Shiro to all of us. 
You nurture, we listen. You teach, we thrive. You lift our spirits, but we've got to lay down the truth. It's time for you, our Shiro, to stretch for the stars. Start saving more for retirement now so you can feel prepared and live your life to the fullest. Get free tips to help boost your retirement savings now at aceyourretirement.org Shiro. A message brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. At Jesse Kelly DC on Twitter and Instagram. Do I'm kicked off? I'm on Facebook. You can call 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. It's time to do Medal of Honor Monday. We do it every single Monday. We read a Medal of Honor citation on the show. I'm a bad person. This is a bad show. But we try to do one good thing all week. And that one good thing is reading about these men, reading about their deeds. Because if we don't read about it, if I don't read it, if you don't hear it, then it gets lost. And it's like it never happened again. It's just, it's just like it got blanked out. And that's not good enough. So now let's talk about Leo J. Powers, World War II U.S. Army. A little place called Hill 175, northwest of Casino, Italy. For conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity at the risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty. On the 3rd of February, 1944, this soldier's company was assigned to the mission of capturing Hill 175, the key enemy strong point northwest of Casino, Italy. The enemy, estimated to be at least 50 in strength, supported by machine guns and placed in three pillboxes and mortar fire from behind the hill, was able to pin down the attackers and inflict eight casualties. The company was unable to advance, but PFC Powers, a rifleman in one of the assault platoons, on his own initiative and in the face of terrific fire, crawled forward to assault one of the enemy pillboxes which he had spotted. Armed with two hand grenades and well aware that if the enemy should see him, it would mean almost certain death, PFC Powers crawled up the hill within 15 yards of the enemy pillbox. Then, standing upright in full view of the enemy gunners in order to throw his grenade into the small opening in the roof, he tossed the grenade into the pillbox. At this close, the grenade entered the pillbox, killed two of the occupants, and three or four more fled the position, probably wounded. This enemy gun silenced, the center of the line was able to move forward again, but almost immediately came under machine gun fire from a second pillbox on the left flank. PFC Powers, however, had located this pillbox and crawled toward it with absolutely no cover if the enemy should see him. Raising himself in full view of the enemy gunners about 15 feet from the pillbox, PFC Powers threw his grenade into the pillbox, silencing the gun, killing another German, and probably wounding three or four more who fled. PFC Powers, still acting on his own initiative, commenced crawling toward the third enemy pillbox in the face of heavy machine pistol and machine gun fire. Skillfully availing himself of meager cover and concealment, PFC Powers crawled up to within 10 yards of this pillbox, fully exposed himself to the enemy gunners, stood upright and tossed two grenades into the small opening of the roof of the pillbox. His grenades killed two of the enemy and four more, 
all wounded came out and surrendered to PFC Powers, who was now unarmed. PFC Powers had worked his way over the entire company front and against tremendous odds had single-handedly broken the backbone of this heavily defended and strategic enemy position and enabled his regiment to advance into the city of Casino. PFC Powers' fighting determination and intrepidity in battle exemplify the highest traditions of the U.S. Armed Forces. My word, son. <laughs> Who just... Some men are just built differently. And that's the kind of thing, you read something like that, and you say to yourself, at least I do, well, what would I do? How would I handle it? Well, I'd probably be sitting in a ball sucking my thumb somewhere. But you think, I know, as a father, how do I raise my sons to be that man? I Who... Who even crawls towards one pillbox without cover? Just a couple grenades in his pocket. Let's rock and roll. Screw these guys. And then once you do that, once you take out one, what kind of man doesn't just say, all right, I'm pretty sure the rest of the company could maybe take out the last two. Instead, you're all, oh, no, I'm going to go get the rest of them too. And just go start crawling. Who? What is it inside of a man that makes him like that? And how do I impart that on my son? That's freaking awesome. And what we forget about sometimes, that was a PFC. And I don't know how old he was, but PFC means private first class for you non-military types. It's a very, it's like the first rank you get. You go from being private to private first class. What I'm trying to say to you is, I bet you money that guy was 17, 18, 19 years old. Bet you money he was. You think of these guys. I think of these guys, too. I've been in combat. You think of these guys as these grizzled veteran warriors. That's a kid. That's a kid. I bet you that guy couldn't drink a beer legally today. Maybe just starting to get a little stubble on his face. That's amazing. And I want my sons to be that. Whatever that is, I want my sons to be that. That is incredible, man. If you have, by the way, I should mention, we've never done this before, but if you have a Medal of Honor citation you particularly love, or, or one maybe that's a relative to you, send it in. I'm not saying we'll read it, but we might get to it at some point in time. Send it in. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. All right. Bigfoot hunting. Why it's a good idea. Hang on. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker. Your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. 
That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. We still have to get to this political rival arrested for a specific reason. One million jobs. One million jobs in the toilet already. Joe Biden is killing it out here. But first, Oklahoma lawmaker proposes Bigfoot hunting season. A mythical, this is from the AP, a mythical ape-like creature that has captured the imagination of adventurers for decades has now become the target of a state lawmaker in Oklahoma. A Republican House member has introduced a bill that created a Bigfoot hunting season. Representative Justin Humphrey's district includes the heavily forested Wachita, Ouchita, I can't see that, mountains in South Sea. It's probably an Indian word. Oklahoma is a big Indian state. It's actually a really cool Indian state. Southeast Oklahoma, where a Bigfoot festival is held each year near the Arkansas border. He says issuing a state hunting license and tag could help boost tourism. Quote, establishing an actual hunting season and issuing licenses for people who want to hunt Bigfoot will just draw more people to our already beautiful part of the state. Let me tell you why this is a great idea. Hang on. Jesse Kelly returns next. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. And this time, Trump is out of office. So the entire case is not about removing him, but whether to convict and disqualify him from holding any office like the presidency forever. Now, this is huge and has never actually happened before. The United States Senate deciding something that can shape history, sanction Trump, and ensure he never has power again, and do so on that basis that you see right there, for life. There's no more significant amount of time than for life. That's why Nicki Minaj famously sang, for life, for life. And if the work is vindicated, best believe when it's done, it will be syndicated for life, for life. And just as Nikki declared herself in this very moment a king, the question here is if the speaker will ultimately slay Goliath with a constitutional sling. Nikki, Nikki, Nikki Minaj, the rapper? We'll get to that in a minute. We have to get to this politician who's been arrested, this political rival who's been arrested. But first, hunting Bigfoot. You know why this is such a great idea, Chris? Bigfoot hunting season? It's a perfect excuse to get away from the wife for a while, but you don't have to actually do anything. 
Honey, I'm going hunting. What, Chris? I understand you say that's what fishing is for. And look, let me be clear. I'm a fishing guy. I actually prefer fishing over hunting. I, I, I find the entire experience to be enjoyable. But women will come along on a fishing trip more often than they'll come along on a hunting trip. You see what I mean? It's happened to me before. I'm going to go down fishing. Oh, cool. I'll pack some I'll pack sandwiches. Well, uh, no, I mean, I'm going fishing. Like, only me. <laughs> Aren't there some trashy daytime TV shows or something you would like to watch while I go fishing? You see, hunting, totally different. Who does it? Uh, you know what? Look it up. See if you can find it. Bill, Bill, uh, what? Bill Engvall, the comedian, does this hilarious? Look it up right now, Chris. We'll see if we can play some of it on the air. Well, look, we'll see if we can play a minute or two of it on the air. Bill Engvall is a stand-up comic, and he does this hilarious stand-up bit about going deer hunting, bringing his wife deer hunting, and it's so true. They don't have the patience for it. Uh, with all due respect, ladies, you can't keep quiet long enough for it if you're deer hunting. Like, if you're fishing, you can chat. You don't want to make a bunch of noise, but you can chat. When you're in a deer stand, you can't make any noise. They have really good ears. That's how they stay alive. You really have to be quiet. And the blood the blood part of it. Oh, you have the Bill Engvall thing? Oh, play it. So my wife and I are up in the deer stand, and any you hunters out there, you know what I'm talking about. It's the perfect time of day. It's still morning. It's dark. It's cold. You're making steam with your breath. Off in the distance, a turkey gobbles as he wakes up for the morning. In the distance, a squirrel scampers through the dead leaves. It's the perfect time of day. It's quiet. Kinda. Because <laughs> in the darkness, I keep hearing this. <sighs> what do we do? Waiting for the deer to show up, Princess. Okay. <laughs> what time do they show up? It's, it's, yes, just go listen to the whole thing. It's outstanding. I, you probably find it for free on YouTube or something. I you can, Chris? Yeah, you can find that skit for free on YouTube. Bill Engvall, deer hunting. I'm sure it'll pop up. Oh, you know what? That's a good idea. Chris said we'll put it on the show's Twitter account. You see, I have my own Twitter account, but the show has one too, at Jesse Kelly Show. If you don't feel like hunting it, just go follow at Jesse Kelly Show on Twitter. Chris is going to put it up for us later on. It's so true. And the best part of that whole thing is you can hear the ladies in the crowd 100% knowing it's true. 100% knowing it's true. They can't help it. They can't help it. They're, they're, they're talkative creatures. Anyway, the Bigfoot hunting, what an excuse to get away from the old lady for a weekend. Honey, I'm going hunting. What are you hunting for? Big game. Look, I'm what? I'm hunting big game. <laughs> you know what? A Bigfoot festival on the border with Arkansas might be a lot of fun. Chris, should we? Should we?
Look it up. Look it up. Do me a favor real quick. We're in Houston. Look up how far away we are from the Bigfoot Festival. Do you have it? Because you know people wouldn't be. Ta- I mean, for the most part, people wouldn't be taking it seriously. Everybody would really just be up there to screw off. I bet you they, Oklahoma and Arkansas, you know they're going to have great food. I bet you it's a blast. Maybe I should dress up as Bigfoot. I'm 6'8". What? Why not? Oh, yeah, what if I get shot? Yeah, never mind. Never mind, I'm not going to dress up as Bigfoot. But that would have been, been sweet. All right. How far, Chris? Seven hours? I'm out. I'm not going. AP News. 3,000 arrested at protests demanding Navalny's release. Now, here's who Navalny is. Is Alexei Navalny. He is, don't turn to, don't, don't roll your eyes, don't turn the channel. Hang on, I'm going to go with this for a second. He's Vladimir Putin's political opponent. He apparently returned back to Moscow, and like most uh, of Putin's political opponents, he's in a great deal of danger. You know, you have a good, you have a good chance of ending up dead if you're one of Putin's political opponents. He doesn't even, he doesn't even hide the fact. He'll just murder you. That's just how it is. But this guy shows back up in Moscow, promptly gets arrested. Uh, they didn't even let his lawyer go with him. You know how this goes. It's Russia. I mean, the, the more things change, the more they stay the same. It's still Russia. But I don't expect you to care about Alexei Navalny. I don't expect you to care about Putin. I don't expect you to care about Russia. It's foreign policy stuff. We, we got enough problems on our own. What I do expect you to care about, though, is remember what we just talked about in the beginning? IRS going after Trump groups. You're already hearing things about the National Security Council. Biden's own media people are talking about getting the National Security Council together to target hate groups and extreme extremist groups and domestic terror groups. You know where this is going. Our new chairman of the Joint Chiefs, He's going after racism and extremism domestically. We are not as far away from this, from this Nelvani arrest. We're not as far away from this as you think we are. And man, is that ugly. That just, that takes ugly to a whole new level, but it's true. You know it's true. How, how big of a leap is it? From the IRS targeting the tax-exempt status of groups who were at the Capitol to the police knocking on your door. Hey, so I saw that Facebook post you put up. That Facebook post you put up about not wanting any more immigrants? Sir, we're going to need you to come with us. Uh, uh, am, I, am I being detained for something? Did that... We don't allow extremism here. Sir, we saw that, uh, we saw the email you sent to your buddy. Saw the email about how Joe Biden's pro-abortion policies are evil and wrong. We feel like you might be organizing an insurrection of some kind. We need you to come with us. You know I'm right. You know I'm right. And do you see this? Did you see this thing the governor of Michigan just pulled? <laughs> I'll tell you what. Hang on, I'll tell you what it is. 
miss something? There's a podcast. Get it on demand wherever podcasts are found. The Jesse Kelly Show. Get Super Beats. Listen to how easy this is. You eat two Super Beats heart chews a day. That's it. Two Super Beats heart chews a day. And they taste good. I can't stress this enough. Super Beats heart chews do not taste like beets. I have actually two different flavors in my house. I have the pomegranate berry and I have their new flavor, Super Grapes. And they're both outstanding. And listen, this is food derived. It is good for your heart. It is good for your blood pressure. And it is such an easy way to care for those two critically important things. How could I not take it? I've told you before, everybody who listens to my show knows, I have a rough family history when it comes to hearts. How could I, as a dad, not take the simple step of doing Super Beats? Go to superbeats.com slash jesse. That's superbeats.com slash jesse. That gets you not one, but two free 30-day supplies. If we fail to act, there will be a wave of evictions and foreclosures in the coming months as this pandemic rages on. Because there's nothing we can do to change the trajectory of the pandemic in the next several months. I feel better already. (laughs) Oh, gosh. All right, we have a new podcast review. You know we read the good ones on the air. Remember, if you miss any part of the show, the whole show is podcasted right after the show. You can either do the whole show or Chris separates out the history segment or they separate out my TV show and put it on there too. But it's on iHeart, Google, Spotify. It's on iTunes. Leave a five-star rating. Leave a review talking about how handsome I am. Like this one, which is titled Incredibly Handsome and Brilliant. Always manages to bring a laugh when it is most needed with his brilliant and honest commentary. A bright light. And then they left a little kissy face emoji, Chris. What? What? Who can blame her? I mean, I hope it's her, but who can blame her? (laughs) All right. Governor Whitmer tries to sneak gun control into COVID relief package. Democratic Governor Gretchen Whitmer of Michigan wants to sneak a provision that would ban firearms from the state capitol into Lansing in a coronavirus aid package. Whitmer's COVID recovery plan would offer a host of solutions for Michiganers now that she's spent nearly nearly a year attempting to bankrupt them. The plan offers rental assistance for households that are unable to pay rent and utilities due to the COVID-19 pandemic, as well as property tax assistance and targeted employment and training services. Now that she's kept so many people out of work since last March, a great many of them are struggling. Not to worry, the vocational services portion of the plan also promises to, quote, prioritize residents from undeserved or economically distressed communities to provide them with skills needed for entry into registered apprenticeships in the energy sector to help drive Michigan's energy transition. Do you ever get creeped out when you think about the gun control thing in the left? I mean, I know this is, sometimes we get in these fights, these political fights that last so long 
So there's these long, ongoing feuds that you never really take a step back, or sometimes you forget to take a step back and wonder, what does this really mean? Why are they really doing this? Doesn't it make you a little suspicious that they want you to stop owning guns? Why do you want us to stop owning guns? Especially the stuff, I mean, you heard that what, what they've pulled over the last year, destroying jobs, destroying this, politicians intentionally abusing their people. And they want to make sure you're unarmed. You can call me tinfoil on your head guy all you want, but I'd like to know why you don't want me armed. I mean, I hate to bring up the Constitution. You know, I don't like doing that often because... I feel like we do that way too much on the right. Not because it doesn't matter. It's a wonderful document. It was incredible. But because it's gone. We're in a post-constitutional era. Nothing they do is constitutional. We are now in the win, don't lose era. That's what we're in. But it is a right that is enshrined there. And it was enshrined there not so you could go deer hunting. And it was enshrined there not so you could defend yourself against a robber. Those are side benefits. That is not why we have the Second Amendment. The founders were emphatic that you have the Second Amendment should the government become despotic, period. You can defend yourself. They wrote about it extensively. So why don't you want me to have one? Very curious. Remember, obviously, as you know, you can email me anytime. And you can email your Ask Dr. Jesse questions all week. And on occasion, I'm going to answer one or two sprinkled throughout the week. There's just so many good ones. Now, what's happened is your questions have gotten so good and in some cases so ridiculous, which is awesome, that now we, we at the end of every show on Friday, I get through as many as I can. At the end of every show, we have this fat stack of Ask Dr. Jesse questions that were awesome we didn't even get to. And so now I'm going to try to sprinkle them in every now and then. So I got this one, and I thought it needed to be addressed. Dear Dr. Jesse Steele, what, Chris? After hearing your history story of the Duke of Wellington, the obvious question that came to mind is where does beef Wellington rank in your list of beef dishes? Beef Wellington is tenderloin covered in a combination of minced mushrooms, herbs, or herbs, depending on where you went to school, and shallots then wrapped in a puff pastry and baked. There's no tomato in it, so this should be pretty high on your list. I haven't ever had it. I have never had beef wellington. It sounds fantastic. Chris, are you people allowed to eat it? You are? Now, let me ask you something. The blood, are you allowed to have beef like medium rare, because I know there's a blood thing with, with you people. Ah, Chris says a lot of what you see as blood in the steak is not real blood. Well, what's the red stuff if it's not blood? It's colored by the muscles, but it's mostly water. Chris, this sounds like you're making this up as a justification to eat beef. You're going to have to call me. And you know what? I know we have a lot of Jewish listeners out there. 
if Jewish producer Chris is lying about this so he can eat medium rare beef, I would like to know so I can publicly call him out on the show. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. That's blood. That is blood. Don't tell me that's not blood in the beef. I know that's blood when I see it, Chris. I know it is. Expert, Breitbart.com. Biden actions against American oil, gas, energy production could kill as many as one million jobs. I saw the unions were freaking out, freaking out about Biden's uh, uh, executive orders he's already putting down. Crushing jobs right off the bat. No Keystone Pipeline, no this, no that. In New Mexico, of course, blue state New Mexico voted for Joe Biden. But they rely so heavily on these jobs that they're freaking out. State of New Mexico is worried. All these people are worried. And this is where I have a little good Jesse versus bad Jesse. You know that angel and devil on your shoulder having the argument. You've seen the cartoon a thousand times. I don't like anybody to lose jobs, even Democrats. I, I have, like I said, I've been out of work before. I don't have the normal background that most people have. I know what it's like to watch your bank account go to zero and the bills stack up. And I know what it's like, especially as a man. I can't speak for a woman. As a man, to, to feel that bit of failure. You know, men always judge themselves and other men by professional success. Women judge themselves and other women by looks. Men do that with professional success. It's just how we're built. Don't feel bad about it. It's how we're built. A man is built to provide, not saying women can't provide, but a man is built to provide women trying to be as hot as possible so you can find the guy who provides. (laughs) Quit, Chris. But in all seriousness, I don't like anybody losing jobs, even Democrats. I I don't like it. I want everyone to have a job. That's good, Jesse, though. Bad Jesse is already struggling with the, hmm, How's that Joe Biden vote working out for you? You get what you get. Don't throw a fit. And and it's not out of, it's not only out of pettiness. Some of it is absolutely out of pettiness, but some of it also is, I want you to wake up. I want the country to wake up. And how do you learn not to touch the stove? By touching the stove. You wake up through pain. Pain's coming. And Alan West, head of the Texas GOP, coming up next. Hang on. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm -mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. <sighs> Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. 
a public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. When the Colonel joins us, joining me now, head of the Texas GOP, bronze star winner, veteran, former congressman from Florida, Alan West. Colonel, I don't understand the thinking on moving forward with an impeachment trial for any party. And what I say, what I mean by that is I, I don't see how this does anything but rip the country apart further. Am I crazy? No, you're not crazy. It's good to be with you, Jesse, and uh, Happy New Year. I think it's the first time we had the chance to chat in the new year. You're not crazy whatsoever, but you have to understand the delusion and the deranged mentality of the progressive socialist left. They're trying to send a message is that we will destroy you, we, we will defeat you, we will try to erase you from ever being in existence, President Trump, and that's what they're seeking to do with this second impeachment. And when you think about the fact that they're trying to say that the president uh, incited uh, a riot on January the 6th. And we all can, you know, sincerely say that we don't condone that violence that happened. It was a deplorable act. But they have yet to show any specific language that the president used that would incite them to violence. Now, if you go and look at uh, Democrat Representative Cori Bush from Missouri, she was the BLM activist that led the uh, violent mob that wanted to rape Patty McCloskey, kill Mark McCloskey, and burn their house down. The McCloskeys are the couple from St. Louis. Or you think about Ayanna Presley, you think about Maxine Waters. And so what this is all about is a partisan endeavor to destroy President Trump and to ensure that he can never be part of the elected political process again. He will still be an impactful individual in the political atmosphere of America, but they don't want him to ever get the opportunity to return to Washington, D.C. Why the Washington, D.C. GOP support? That's the part that floors me. I understand people who don't like Trump. He's a bombastic personality. I get that. I never minded him, but I never I, I get people who don't. But don't they see the parties drifting that way now? Isn't this shooting ourselves in the foot with the GOP supporting this? Well, that's one of the things that you are seeing very clearly. I mean, with the response from the Wyoming GOP to uh, Representative Liz Cheney, some of the things you have seen uh, out there in response to uh, Senator uh, Mitch McConnell. Uh, President Trump brought in about 12 to 13 million new voters from 2016 to 2020 on the Republican ticket and the Republican side, all because of his policies and the things that he was doing to put America first and not the globalist agenda first. And so what it, it appears is that there are some people within the Republican Party. And look, you know, they, they have the right to feel and believe as they do. I think that the people that elected them into the position need to go back and look at uh, uh, should they be supporting these individuals going forward in Wyoming? They have already made the decision that they're not. Uh, so, so what type of agenda and what type of principles and values will the Republican Party hold near and dear? Because when I think about a president that brought in the most minority electoral support in 60 years, that's what President Trump did for the Republican Party, and I don't think that that's something we should just try to, uh, you know, cast away on the ash heap of history. I've been encouraging people to, for lack of a better way to put it, to balkanize more. Now, I, I'm very worried about the condition of our federal government. 
I've been telling people, if you can, move to red states and make them redder. Make your town redder. Make your school board redder. Make your ta- make your city council redder. Go, let's, let's go and separate ourselves until they can figure themselves out for our own protection. Is that crazy talk? No, I think that you're seeing that. You're seeing an incredible amount of uh, influx of population here to like the state of Texas. Texas is going to pick up two, maybe three congressional districts because of the uh, mass migration or, or departure of people from California, Illinois, New York, New Jersey. And the important thing is that we want people to come here to Texas and be a part of the great economic growth opportunity and prosperity that we have here. We want people to uh, be a part of our fantastic oil and gas uh, industry that enables us to be energy independent. We want to have more people run at those local levels. As a matter of fact, that's one of the things that I'm pushing. The municipal level elections coming up in the in May, first Tuesday of May, we want more city council members. We want more school board members, county clerks, county commissioners, because that's how you have a strong state. And right now, I mean, I believe there are 34, uh, the 35 of the state legislatures in the United States of America are controlled by Republicans. Now we have to govern as constitutional conservatives now, especially when you look at these executive orders and the agenda of the far left uh, of which Joe Biden is the president of. Explain how that happens, Colonel. How do, how do we have all these state legislatures, but we don't have the House, we don't have the Senate, we don't have the presidency? Where's the disconnect there? Well, I will tell you what happened in the 2020 election cycle is the Democrats uh, specifically targeted several states that had uh, Republican state legislatures. And those state legislatures saw election law be changed, be amended by courts, by secretaries of state, by governors. And what they have to do is assert their uh, enumerated power as legislators. The only people that can change law by the Constitution, being at the United States Constitution or our state constitutions, like the Texas state constitution, is the legislative branch. So that's why this legislative session coming up is so important, because we need to have a strong constitutional conservative uh, legislative uh, agenda that this passed. Uh, we have eight legislative priorities from the Republican Party of Texas. The number one is election integrity. And when you think about what the Democrats are poising to do right now is H.R. 1, House Resolution 1, coming out of House of Representatives, they're looking to nationalize elections, and that's why we're going to put a press release out to explain people what this is. And we need to make sure that our state legislatures, you know, become a bulwark against that. They want to take over redistricting from states. They want to have a, a, a federal redistricting commission. You know who's going to be in charge of that. They want to have uh, online voter registration. They want yes. to implement universal mail-in balloting from the federal government level. And so, again, this is why when you think about the 10th Amendment, Jesse, that's why the founding fathers put it there. That sense of federalism, that sense of sovereign states being able to exert the powers that they have, which are not uh, relegated and enumerated to the federal government. Colonel, besides Texas, is it is it are we just going to divide ourselves to the south and everywhere else, the southeast and everywhere else? Is there something out there, some place out there where we're where you can go if you don't want to live in the South. I don't want America to just be red and blue in the Southeast that way. I think that's an ugly way to be, but I feel like that's the way we're going. 
Well, I think that more Americans are going to start waking up and understand that maybe President Trump's tweets weren't so bad. When you start <laughs> to look at uh, when you start to look at what Joe Biden is doing and the left with their agenda, when you start hearing words like deprogramming people and reeducating people and this deplatforming of people off of uh, conservative sites and to try to kick off any type of uh, political opposition speech, thought, insights, or perspectives. You know, Joe Biden talked about unity in his inaugural speech, what he was really talking about was conformity. And I think that you will end up seeing a an incredible wave of constitutional conservatism across this country because you look at these states, New York, failed state, Illinois, failed state, mm-hmm. Chicago, Los Angeles, failed uh, cities. Uh, they're all controlled by the left. And even when we look at some of the cities here in Texas, like a Dallas, like a Houston and Harris County, like an Austin and Travis County, like a San Antonio and Bear County, we've got to start winning at the municipal level to get the right type of governance, not rule, not leftist rule in those cities, even here in Texas. Colonel Allen West, everybody, head of the Texas GOP. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Always a pleasure. Semper Fi. Semper Fi. Right. I like that guy, man. He needs to be governor. I like that guy. I, um, I've obviously, I've hung with Allen more than once. He's one of those guys, you talk to him, and no matter what you're talking about, you find yourself getting fired up. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, yeah, I'm ready, coach. What are, what are we doing? What game are we playing? Let's put me in. <laughs> Did you see? It's so dirty, and we're never going to get to the bottom of it. You see this from the Daily Caller, Chris? This about this U.S. scientist? Wait, you're going to want to hear this. Hang on. Jesse Kelly. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Surprise, they're pushing forward with this uh, extra surveillance on would-be domestic terror. 
it's so dangerous. You know, as you guys have been talking about, this is an issue that all Democrats, Republicans, independents, libertarians should be extremely concerned about, uh, especially because we don't have to guess about where this goes or how this ends. When you have people like former CIA director John Brennan openly talking about how he's spoken with uh, or heard from appointees and nominees in the Biden administration who are already starting to look across our country uh, for these types of movements similar to the insurgencies they've seen overseas that, in his words, he says, make up this unholy alliance of religious extremists, uh, racists, bigots. Uh, he lists a few others and adds at the end, even libertarians. So when you look at their process and they start looking at, okay, how do, what characteristics right. are we looking for as we're building this profile of a potential extremist, uh, what are we talking about? A religious extremist, are we talking about uh, Christians, evangelical Christians? What is, an, what is a religious extremist? Is it somebody who's pro-life? I mean, what, where, do you, where do you take this? Uh, you start looking at, okay, well, obviously you have to be a white person, obviously likely male, libertarians, well, if anybody who loves freedom, liberty, maybe has an American flag outside their house, or uh, people who, you know, attended a Trump rally. Uh, once you start walking this down the path, you see where it leads to a very dangerous undermining of our civil liberties, mm -hmm. our freedoms in our Constitution, and a targeting of almost half of the country. Mm. Mm -mm. Again. Tulsi Gabbard starting to become a prominent voice. Why? It's not because she's some card-carrying conservative. If you went down her list of, of issues, her policy stances, you would agree with not well, not none of them, with very few. But that's not what it takes to lead the GOP base now, to lead the base of the right. The base of the right is so sick of the lack of spine, years and years and years of the lack of spine, the lack of actually defending ourselves against the left, watching them attack and attack and attack. Now, all we want's a battle axe. That's why you got Trump. That's why you're going to get another Trump, maybe Trump again himself, and you're going to get another one and another one and another one and another one. And what's crazy is all these D.C. GOP types, all the, well, this isn't the hill to die on types with every single issue. And they were all, of course, not coincidentally, all the guys who hated Trump. They still don't understand this. They don't understand it was their lack of fight that brought Trump. All the GOP types who hate Trump don't realize Trump was their fault. They what they're what brought him, and they're what virtually guarantees another one. Period. End of story. Tulsi Gabbard seems to realize this. And what have I said? What have I been telling you? Whoever realizes that's what the right wants is gonna be the new leader of it. We shall see. U.S. scientist with close ties to Wuhan lab discussed manipulating bat-based coronaviruses just weeks before the outbreak. This is DailyCaller.com. Dr. Peter Dazak, D-A-S-Z-A-K, described... Shut up, Chris. That's Dazak. Dizik. 
described how easy it was to manipulate the bat-based coronaviruses in an interview filmed just weeks before the COVID-19 outbreak in Wuhan. He has close ties to the Wuhan Institute of Virology and reportedly pushed back against the National Institute of Health request that he arrange an outside inspection of the lab. Dazek orchestrated a statement at the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic that condemned, quote, conspiracy theories, end quote, that the virus did not have a natural origin. Dazek now serves on a World Health Organization panel currently investigating the origins of the pandemic on the ground in China. You read that right. The guy who heard, the guy who was involved, the guy who was claiming conspiracy theories, essentially the guy with all kinds of smoke around him. He's the guy currently doing the investigating on behalf of the WHO in China. Yeah. I'm sure we're going to get I'm sure we're going to get to the bottom of this really quickly. And this is look, this kind of stuff is happening here all the time. All the time. Remember? Remember what was his name? Uh gosh, I'm trying to think of it. Bill Barr, was it? Is that his name? I can't remember. Producer Chris, was it Bill Barr? I remember he was, he had some kind of prominent position in the government. Was it, was he the attorney general? I think he was. You're right. Yeah, he was. Wow. I mean, you're going to have to forgive me because he didn't do anything. What do Democrats do when they take power? People are getting fired immediately. People are being investigated immediately. Impeachment trials, blacklists for former Trump employees. Only one side is playing the game right now. Hang on. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Remember, you can email the show, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. You can find us on social media at jessekellydc on Twitter on Instagram, on Facebook, until I get banned. When you email the show, I read them all. 
They all go right to Jewish producer Chris. He prints them for me. I read them. I will not respond. I get way too many of them. You can send in your ass talk to Jesse questions, your love, your hate. If you want to rip on Chris in the email too, that's always welcome since they go to him first and he reads them. It's hilarious to me when that happens. The whole show is podcasted on iHeart, Google, Spotify, on iTunes. Leave a five-star rating on iTunes and leave a review talking about how handsome I am. It is me, the Shogun, Jesse Steele Kelly, the Oracle, Sombrero Jesse. I can't wait until... When's Cinco de Mayo, Chris? <laughs> I'm kidding. I know what it is. <laughs> I habla a little bit. That's all. Jesse Kelly Show. Your holster is way more important than you think it is. It's just way more important than you think it is. What? Look, and I get that. The holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? You want to talk about your weapon and your ammunition. You, you want to talk about your safety training. You want to talk about how you did at the range. Oh, look at my groups. I was doing these failure drills today. And all that stuff's really important. I mean, really, really important. I'm not discounting that. But I've known so many people who do all those things. They take all the necessary steps, and then they carry with a holster they bought from a big box hunting store that was made a thousand at a time. Please, don't put your life in one of those holsters. You need to trust Northwest Retention Systems because it's all custom-made gear. It's the only thing I carry around. NWRetention.com. That's nwretention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Get you 10% off. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. 
Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.